Once again, welcome everyone to our evening gathering here, our Monday night gathering for the Flagstaff Insight Meditation Community. Tonight, what I'd like to do, since it's the middle of the holiday season, is to um, offer some reflections on this quality of heart of generosity. Just because generosity is a, a foundation, kind of the one of the foundational pieces in almost every school of Buddhism, but also intersects with so many other spiritual and religious traditions. So I thought it was apt given this time of the year. And it really is the basis for uh, the school of Buddhism, where uh, when the Buddha teaches, he talks about beginning with this practice of generosity. And then this practice of generosity it threads through the entirety of this path and this practice. Also for this evening, uh, I wanna point out that I'm, I'm probably not gonna be offering you any new information. That's not so much the point of my reflections. Maybe that will be, but it's, it's more just to appreciate this beautiful quality of generosity. It, it really, I find to be a beautiful quality of the heart when I'm engaged in being generous or when my heart can be really open to the generosity of someone else. And I'd like to uh, begin these reflections by sharing with you a poem. It's a poem by William Stafford. And it's funny how I came across this poem. So I was uh, just teaching a long retreat with uh, a, a team of teachers and one of my colleagues, uh, Tuari Sala, use this poem to share about generosity. And what I appreciated is when I heard this poem before, generosity was not the thing that came to my mind when I heard this poem. So she took like this different twist on this poem that I found really helpful to get a different feeling for, for generosity. So I want to share this with you. And Tawari, thank you so much for turning me on to this. The title of the poem is called The Way It Is, again, by William Stafford. He begins, he says, there's a thread you follow. It goes among things that change, but it doesn't change. People wonder about what you are pursuing. You have to explain about the thread but it is hard for others to see. While you hold it, you can't get lost. Tragedies happen, people get hurt or die, and you suffer and get old. Nothing you can do can stop times unfolding. You don't ever let go of the thread. Maybe this is one way to understand generosity as this thread. Oh, it's this thread I follow. And it's even deeper than things coming and going. And it's so helpful when tragedies happen, when people get hurt or die, or when I suffer and get old. And I remember the thread, the thread of generosity.
And maybe, maybe this understanding of this poem from this angle, maybe it's reminding me of what's really essential in this life. Namely, what's essential is what I give rather than what I get. And maybe it's the same for you, that that's really what's important is what you give rather than what you get. That what's important is what you give rather than what you become. What's important is what you give rather than what you succeed at. In the morning on the day that William Stafford died, he was writing a poem. And that poem contained these lines that said, you don't have to prove anything, my mother said. Just be ready for what God sends. I, I find those beautiful words to and the life with, and to reflect on life. And, and for me, when, it, when I slow down with it, oh, those words too fit so well with generosity. Can I remember, I, I don't have anything to prove. I don't have to prove anything. Yet can I remember the thread? Can I remember to give? Can I remember generosity and how beautiful and powerful that is? And then I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever is sent to me. Because I'm holding on to the thread. I'm following the thread. And as William Stafford says, when, it, when I'm holding on to the thread, I don't get lost any longer. So the, the most important thing, I think, in these reflections is just to offer you this question. What would it be like to live your life as this being the basis, generosity, that this is the most important thing. What would it be like if that's the thread that you're following that also carries you through the good times and the tragedies? So more important than even being mindful or kind or compassionate, to be generous. What would that be like if I woke up with that kind of inspiration? So I gave it a try. What's that like to have this as the basis? And, and one of the things uh, when I've explored this is uh, all kinds of different facets of generosity begin to emerge if that's the basis of, of living for me. And one of the things that I notice is it begins to shift how I perceive the world I'm living in. And when I shift perceiving how the, the world I'm living in, that world changes, like the world presents itself differently. So one of the ways it changes is I begin to realize that so many things I'm engaged in can be framed around generosity. I woke up this morning. Our house was super cold. It was really a generous thing to put on a jacket and a hat. I was generous to myself, to my body, and it felt differently. It wasn't just like I put on the coat. It's like, oh, I here's a gesture of giving. Here's a gesture of generosity. It felt different. Same action, 
but it came from a different part of my heart. Or when I was calling family today, just to make that phone call, to laugh with my sister, to hear my father's voice, to offer both the listening and the speaking. Oh, here's generosity. Here it is again. This feels so good. To clean the kitchen, to respond to an email, to offer another food, to give someone a hug. Even I want to point out coming to a meditation group like this. This is what I've loved to do when I come to meditation groups. I have the opportunity just to be here, to make community happen in that way, to offer my silence, to offer my kindness and my attention when I greet others. Even my appreciation for the sun and the moon, especially now, right? The moon is getting fuller and fuller. I think tomorrow's the full moon. To offer my appreciation to the snow-covered peaks. To offer my attention to the breath. What would it be like to feel that as an act of generosity? And you might feel, just when you hear this, what it does is it connects me to this spiritual path and this practice. Like, oh, here I am. I remember what's valuable to me when generosity is at the basis. There's a Zen master uh, by the name of Zen Master Dogen, and he was uh, uh, became a very famous uh, Zen master. He lived in the 13th century. And he had a very poetic way of talking about this path and this practice. And one of the things he did when we were talking about generosity is he really was stretched what we think of as generosity even more than, than I am. And I just want to share with you a few sentences from an essay that he wrote where he's talking about generosity and trying to expand what it means to be generous. Like he says in this work, he says, offering flowers blooming on a distant mountain is an act of generosity, which I think is so wonderful. Here I can be sitting here and maybe, maybe down in the valley or something like that, there are flowers blooming and I can offer them to someone else. There's such imagination there. Where he says, you give yourself to yourself and you give others to others. How can you understand that for yourself and in your own life? What that, would that look, that poetic expression? Where he says, if you study giving closely, you see that to accept the body and to give up the body are both giving. Wow, when I'm born, there's, there's a sense of generosity. I'm accepting this body. When I die, I'm giving up this body. It's an act of generosity. And he continues, making a living and producing things can be nothing other than giving. To leave flowers to the wind, to leave birds to the seasons are also acts of giving. Even when you give a particle of dust, you should rejoice in this act of giving. Isn't that interesting how expansive this can be? It can be so many things to give that I can start to see in this realm of generosity. 
And so it's just this change of my perception as part of generosity. Can I expand that so I can really engage and see the depth of, of generosity? And it can feel so freeing, so onward leading when I start to have that perception. At least this is what I notice. And as I said at the beginning here, generosity, it's, it's the foundation of this path. It's threaded through the path. And there's two words that come to mind around this. One is this, uh, the, both of these are in the Pali language, Pali being the one of the early scriptural languages of Buddhism. One is the word chaga. And chaga is really, it's the inward quality of the heart that wants to give. So it's like, oh, I feel that in my body, in my heart. I want to give, I want to be generous. And then dana, and many of you have heard this, this word dana because we use it uh, in terms of giving, in terms of this community. That's the practice of giving. So one is the feeling, and then the other is the practice where I'm practicing generosity. And the reason why I find this so helpful to be the foundation of this path and this practice is because when the Buddha talks about generosity, it's intertwined with joy. So he talks about how good it feels to be generous. And that's one of the hallmarks of what it is to be generous. If I'm giving something to somebody and I resent it, that's not generosity. <laughs> that's giving something and then feeling resentful. That's something different that we can maybe talk about. Generosity is when I offer something and I feel really good. So just around this, what I invite you to do is just to bring your attention inward, just for a moment. I just in, want to invite you to do this little experiment here. And as you bring your attention inward, you might want to pause, maybe just feel your body just for a moment now as we slow down. And as your attention is turned inward, I want you to remember a time where you gave something to someone or some being. It doesn't have to be a large gift. It could be some of the things we've talked about to off when you offered someone a smile or a hug or some kind words, or you offered space. To bring that into your imagination now, when this happened in the past. in seeing yourself offering this to this other being and noticing if you can contact the joy of that, how good it feels to offer someone when it's coming from that beautiful place in your heart that really wants to give. You might remember a warmth in your heart or a smile on your face. Or when you saw maybe a smile on another person's face, how it delighted you. To simply savor that and feel that right now. Great, thank you. Thank you for engaging in that. Could you touch some of that joy? Could you feel some of that joy?
Isn't that sweet? And I think to me, this is the cool thing about this path and this practice is, oh, this is where I begin. Not just in any old giving, it's the times where I feel the joy of that because I'm being exposed to, at least from the perspective of this path, a deeper sense of happiness, a more genuine sense of happiness that's that continues in some manner. And what's important also in giving so that it, it ends up feeling so joyful and not filled with resentment is the Buddha speaks about giving in a way that's in line with my means, a line in line with what I can actually give without it being in detriment to me. So it's not just give until I die and I'm feeling like I'm suffering from it. It's it's so connected with joy. And I think this can sometimes be forgotten because I think sometimes maybe it's just because of I was brought up in the religious tradition I was brought up. I, it felt like like I I had to give even if it didn't feel good. Like this was like a demand and to give so much that I might even be overwhelmed. But this is quite different. And I think this is important in any way of giving that that, that we we engage in. And uh, Thomas Merton, who was a, a Trappist monk, speaks to this. He says, to allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit to too many projects, to want to help everyone in everything is itself to succumb to the violence of our times. Frenzy destroys our inner, inner capacity for peace. It destroys the fruitfulness of our work because it kills the root of inner wisdom, which makes work fruitful. Do you hear what he's saying? If I'm doing too much, if I'm trying to give too much or to help everyone in every situation, that that's a kind of violence. But that's actually not helpful in the long run. I find that striking and I, I need to remember that. And yes, I, I also want to acknowledge, at least for me, sometimes there's an edge to generosity that I like to play with. Sometimes what holds me back from being generous is that I feel, and the key word here is I feel like I don't have enough. Like there's some kind of underlying sense of lack. And that if I give in some manner, I might not have enough left over, whether that be, be something like time or money. And I want to point out, sometimes that might be true for you. I don't want to dismiss that in any kind of way. And sometimes you might find, like what I find, is that it's just coming from a place of fear. And those are really different. One is coming out of wise discernment. I'm, I'm discerning about how much I can give or when I can give, where I can still feel joyful. And getting discerning about when I actually can't, that that would be to the detriment of myself. And one of the ways that I can track this is, is there joy here? Can I allow myself to feel joy? Another thing that I appreciate when I slow down with 
uh, sensing into generosity is how it goes beyond just me in my life. You know, one place uh, that I get this is uh, I just got this a strong hit of this. I was teaching uh, a three-month silent retreat on the East Coast, and one of my colleagues, uh, one of the teachers, is a a monk in the Theravada tradition, the, the Theravada Buddhist tradition, and uh, his name is. Uh, Bhante Buddharakita, and he's from Uganda. And the thing about monastics in the Theravada tradition, they, they have some pretty interesting monastic rules. One of them is they have to beg for their food, so they can't handle money. So their money, like if you go to a, a country like Thailand or Burma, early in the morning, you'll see monastics, both nuns and, and, um, and monks, especially walking around with a bowl where people are putting food in their bowls. So they have to uh, beg for their food, and they can't eat after the mid after midday. So for Bonte Bonte Birdurkita, like he does have some really interesting stories. When he's traveling, there's sometimes a whole day or days where he's not eating. Like there's nothing coming in his bowl. He's in a context where people don't understand that, and he can't just go buy food. So one of the primary ways that giving is happens in the Buddhist tradition and the Theravada tradition is offering food to monastics. Um, it's really so sweet to give this sense. And to offer food, many of you probably know this, there's something so special to offer food to another person. So it's uh, so wonderful to offer him food in all kinds of ways. Uh, like one morning we decided, our, our team teaching team decided to take him out to breakfast, which he was delighted about. You know, we took him to this place and at breakfast. And when I give him food, it uh, it really delights me because I feel like I'm making an offering that go an offering that goes beyond my life, actually that goes beyond uh, the, even the ending of my life. And it's a kind of giving that goes beyond his life. That's the way I see it. So for example, he has one of the few Buddhist monasteries found on the entire continent of Africa. It's in Uganda. And the intention of his monastery, the Uganda Buddhist Center, is to really to offer Buddhist teachings within the context of that particular African culture. So he's doing this beautiful melding of this. So my giving allows him to give and that's what keeps that path and that practice alive for people to taste in Uganda, even after he 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 passes away. And I want to point out that this is true not just for Theravada Buddhist monastics. Giving at times, the giving that you give has this potential to it for whoever uh, you give to. It's that thread that go, goes beyond just your life, just this body here. And hopefully you're hearing how this is intertwined with reciprocity. Like there's a, a giving and receiving that's intertwined with generosity. And this is like why this is one of the values here through the Flagstaff Insight Meditation community. We we have this value of doing this experiment of offering everything freely to have this inter interrelationship. And it really comes from, actually, you could say one of the spirits of this, you can see 
in one of these, again, other one of these other monastic um, rules. It's not like any of us follow this, but it shows the spirit of this. For monastics, the other thing that they can't do is they can't uh, keep food overnight. So it's whatever they receive in the bowl, they have to eat all of it, and then they have to uh, relinquish the rest of it, which means that it, it demands of them. They have to go into some village around some people to get their food every single day. It requires them to be in relationship with others. We don't do that at Flagstaff Inside Meditation Community. <laughs> but it's this experiment of that we freely offer uh, everything that we do here. And then dependent upon the generosity of others, it continues. And there's no demand either. Like it's uh, it's fine for people to come here and not to give anything in terms of financially or volunteer-wise. And then we see what happens and it's amazing. This has continued for well over a decade now. So this, this uh, interdependent quality. And I want to say, this can be a revolutionary thing, generosity. So this was back in the, this is probably, what is it, 2010, 2011, the, I don't know if you remember the, the protest movement, uh, Occupy uh, uh, Wall Street movement, remember that? There's all these kind of protests going on. There was one, I think, super cool protest that happened. It was in um, the Oakland areas. It was uh, a number of members of the East Bay meditation community. And what they decided to do, um, and uh, one of the people in that, Max Airborne, uh, wrote about this. Thank you so much for this, Max. Is they got a, a $40 all in single, single dollar bills, and they stood outside a bank, Chase Bank. And all they did was um, they were hanging out there. And when somebody walked by, they would be like, would you like a dollar? Would you like, uh, would you like this dollar and, and to give it to someone else who needs it? Or you could keep it for yourself. Or Max points out when, when somebody kept on working, she'd say, we're just giving away money. And it, there was a number of mixed reactions, as you could imagine. Some people were so touched that they went out and came back with more money for those people to give. <laughs> Isn't that cool? I think they ended up giving, it wasn't just the $40, it ended up being $200 because people were so touched. Other people were completely unnerved by this and didn't know what to do about it. Most importantly, what, the people who were doing it, what was so powerful for them is it didn't matter what people's reactions were. It just felt so good just to offer something freely. And hopefully you hear how radical that is to do that in our society, especially around money, just to randomly give it. I thought this would be a really cool FIMC activity. Don't you think this would be great to give this an experiment, just to, to, to experiment with this, to open this up? This is around changing perception and changing action and changing our hearts. And maybe just one last story, just a simple thing that made all the difference in this practitioner's world. This again was uh, during the financial crisis. This was maybe uh, earlier than that, maybe in the 2007, 2008, where the housing market had crashed. And this practitioner, he 
he actually needed to sell his house and it was at the absolute bottom of the housing market. He was going to be losing a lot of money, but he, he had to, he had to leave uh, where he was living. And he was not in a good place emotionally, financially, he was not in a good place, but also emotionally around this. And, and then he slowed down and he realized he, uh, he got to meet the, uh, people who were going to be buying his house and it was going to be going to a young woman and her family. She was second generation, but all of her family were first generation immigrants, just newly arrived in this country. And they had spent a lot of time just gathering money from all of these different family members to make sure that she could have some kind of down payment on this house to help her move along. It was a huge thing for the whole family. And it was because of the crash that they were able to do this. They, they wouldn't have been able to afford any kind of house. And this practitioner said it made all the difference in the world for him to be like, oh, I have a, I have a, a choice here. I can feel like I'm missing out or I could see what I'm doing as being this beautiful act of generosity that's carrying this entire family forward into a different way of being able to take care of themselves. He said it was so beautiful for his heart. And it was beautiful for them because then he could have so much joy in his conversations with them. This is the power of generosity. Can you follow that thread? Can you play with this idea that maybe what's essential in this life is what you give rather than what you get? That what's important is what you give rather than what you become. What would it be like to have this as the basis of your life? So may our giving, may it be for the benefit of all beings. Thank you, thank you for your attention.